I think as the people of God, we need to every morning not literally roll up our sleeves, not literally gird up our loins, but we need to do it spiritually. Because every day we enter into a battlefield, every day we enter into a mission field, every day we enter into a work zone if we're the people of God. There's never a time when we are off the clock. I will joke sometimes if people will ask maybe on a on a Monday or something, and they'll say, you know, I'll be at a gathering, and they'll say, Pastor, would you mind praying? And I'll joke, well, I'm off the clock. And I'll go ahead and pray. It is a joke. Honestly, we're never off the clock. As the people of God, we're never, ever off the clock. We need to be continually aware of opportunities that God is placing in front of us day after day after day after day. And let me tell you, if you... God is doing that, whether you're aware of it or not. The people that come into your life, the circumstances that happen in your life, we think these things are somehow haphazard and accidental. They're never haphazard, nor are they accidental. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, then God is planning for you on a day. God's already planned today on a daily basis, interactions for you to have with other people These are a divine appointments. God bringing people into your life and you need to have this roll up your sleeve kind of attitude as you prepare to engage whatever it is God has in store. Now, there's sometimes that you are fully aware and fully ready for what happens. Um, It's an interesting thing to see. Uh, I've only been a part of it a couple of times and that is the tailgating scene at a, before a Georgia football game. How long are people planning on? Do they just wake up on that Saturday morning and say, I think we'll go to the game and maybe take some chicken? No. That, that, listen, how many of you tailgate Georgia football games or have done it? Go ahead, confess. It's okay. All right. How many of you be willing to do the same thing at church on Sunday? I don't know. I, it'd be awesome, wouldn't it? Can we do tailgating? That'd be great. Do you, I mean, is this just a haphazard thing? No, you're planning it. You got your tickets. That's already taken care of. But you're wondering, okay, what's on the menu? What are we going to take? What are we going to, we're going to cook there. We're going to take everything. And we got it. Have you got the tent ready or the chairs ready? You put all kinds of effort into getting ready for a football game. And I realize that in Georgia, Georgia football is about as close to a religion as you can get. I do realize that. But here's what I want to encourage you is every day in your praying and in your preparations, listen, you need to be, it's game day every day. Are, are we awake yet? It is literally, it's game day every day. God is calling you to engage the world. It is a war zone. It is a mission field. It is a work zone and we need to be ready. And I want to share a couple of scriptures with you Then I'm going to skip to the end of my message. I didn't get any amens on that. Maybe I should, maybe I should not do that. Okay. I figured, I figured, listen, we'd bre- revival break out when I said that. So, okay. A couple of scriptures. The first one is Colossians chapter four, verses two through six. And I'm sorry, Kelly up there. I'm, uh, I just told her just be prepared for anything. All right. Colossians chapter four, verses two to six. I want to read these with you and, 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 uh, and to you. 
If you've got your Bibles, I encourage you to turn there. If you are looking on your notes, it's already there, and it'll certainly be up on the screen for you. But here's what it says. It says, Paul's writing, it says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders, making the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. And and listen, let me just run through these really, really quickly, because I think it's important for us to spend a little time chewing on this as we, before we move on. The first thing is, when he says, devote yourselves to prayer, that, that's a big deal. It sounds really super hyper-spiritual, devote yourselves to to prayer, but basically what he's saying here, to, to devote yourself to something is to commit to something and to persist in it. When Jesus says, ask, seek, and knock, you know literally what the, what the Greek is saying is keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. It's not a knock once and then run away. I know that's what we used to do in church visitation, but that's not what it's talking about here. And, and to, to go ahead and since you Georgia fans are all wound up this morning and still excited in the glow from last night's victory. Let me tell you exactly what this is saying in Georgia. That's a language. It's saying hunker down in prayer. Write that in the margin of your Bible. That's what it's saying when it says devote yourselves to prayer. It's saying hunker down in prayer. And he says, here's how I want you to do it. I want you to be watchful. Now, when we pray, how do most of us pray? With our eyes closed. And that's fine because it helps avoid distractions. But literally what he's saying here is pray with your eyes open. I don't remember who it was that said this, but he said he always reads uh, reads with the newspaper in one hand and the Bible in the other. In other words, there's an awareness of what's going on out there in the world. When we pray, we ought to pray with that awareness. We ought to pray understanding what's happening. It's, it's pretty neat. Uh, back in 1 Chronicles, you don't have to turn here because uh, some of you would never find it. 1 Chronicles chapter 12, verse 32. It talks about uh, the men of Issachar. That was a tribe. And it says, all these men understood the signs of the times and knew the best course for Israel to take. Why? Because they had their eyes open. They were seeing what was going on in the world. They were understanding what God was saying. And they were putting the pieces together. And therefore they had wisdom to know how to live. And in our sense it gives us wisdom in knowing how to pray. That is why as you draw near to the heart of God. The things that burden God burden you. And that is why when you see an abortion statistic on a a news article that it breaks your heart and you begin to pray. That's a good thing. That's why when you watch the weather channel and and you see the storm is coming or you see the aftermath of the storm on a Caribbean island, that is why you stop and you you pray. Folks, we are to be devoted. We're to be hunkering down in prayer. And when we see the circumstances around us, we're to be watchful. We're to understand what's going on. And we're to use our prayer life to come alongside that. And he also says, and be thankful. Now, what in the world will there to be thankful for? 
Well, obviously, they may have many things. They could be thankful for their families, be thankful they had food on the table that night, be thankful they had a roof over their head. But I got to tell you, what he's talking about here is, listen, be thankful that you're in Christ. Be thankful. Listen, once you were dead in your sins and trespasses, and now you're alive in Christ Jesus, be thankful that once you were spiritually blind, but now you see. Be thankful that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Be thankful that when the final time comes for you, when the final breath is breathed from you that you will leave this world and you will be absent from the body but present with the Lord. Let me tell you what, no matter what happens in this life, no matter what Irma or any other storm brings, as a believer in Jesus Christ, you can be grateful. And in your prayer life, it should just be permeated with gratitude. I can't, you, there should not be a day, and I know some days are dark, and I know sometimes it seems that everything's against you and the world is against you. But I got to tell you, you got to go back to the rock of your salvation and understand that no matter what's happening in this world around me, I stand on a solid rock. I have a mighty fortress who is my God, and I have a promise from Him that cannot ever be erased. And that promise is all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Now listen, you can be grateful for that, but don't, don't, let, it, don't let it just become self-centered. Because Paul, is, as, you, as you read on here, is what he's saying is, listen, you have not only the opportunity to celebrate and rejoice in that, but you can be grateful that you've been given, you've been given the privilege to share that with other people. That's a privilege that God has given you to be able to share the victory that we sang about this morning, to share that victory with other people. So Paul said, get this, be devoted to prayer, be watchful in prayer, be grateful in prayer. And then he says, and I want you to pray for me also and the people who are with me. Now, why? Well, he's in prison. Did you know that? Paul's writing this letter from prison. Why was he in prison? He was in prison because he wouldn't shut up about Jesus. If he'd have just shut up about Jesus, it would have left him alone. If he'd have just kept his mouth quiet, just, just not gone out preaching, not gone out and shared Christ, they wouldn't have bothered him at all. But because he refused. Because he had this gratitude for all that God had done for him and this commitment to share it with everybody he could find. They locked him up. And he says, I want, I want you to pray. And he says, I want to pray that a door may be opened. But he wasn't talking about the prison door. You know, he never said, hey, would you pray that my parole officer will help me out here? Would you pray that I could get one of, you know, could you pray that that, that billboard I rode by that had the, the lawyer's phone number on it, email address, contact info, could you pray that that lawyer is going to get me out? Could you pray? He said, no, he doesn't say, hey, pray that the judge is going to be lenient for me. He never says pray that the doors of this prison will be open. Here's why. Because Paul understood something that we don't understand. That doors can be open by God. Doors of opportunity in the lives of people around us. Even if every other door in our lives seemed to be slammed shut in our face. You know what Paul did? Think about this. You've got a jailer who cannot leave you. You've got a captive audience. 
And the reason that the gospel went from that area in, in, in Rome where Paul was chained, the reason that the gospel went from Rome and went along with the Roman armies up into, into the British Isles and up into Germany and up into those places, the reason the gospel went up there was because Paul wouldn't shut up. He talked to his guards. Guards came to faith. Guards became contagious with the faith. And wherever they went, the gospel went with them. Now listen, this is good stuff. He says, I want you to pray at those doors. Those opportunities are going to be open. And that's what I want to share with you this morning. We have opportunities. We have opportunities. And we're called to take advantage of those opportunities, to make the most of those opportunities that come away along our way. Now listen, I want to, let me jump down, share one other scripture with you. First Peter chapter 3, verses 15 to 16. I told you I'd share two. Here are the two. Here's the second one. And Peter writes, I said, Paul now, Peter's writing. He says, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Put him on the throne of your heart. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Now listen, this means you need to be living in hope so that people actually notice it. If your life, if your attitude, if your words look like everybody else's, nobody's going to ask you anything. But if you live with hope, I mean, if you're just bubbling over with hope, people are going to ask you, man, what's wrong with you? Well, what's going on in your life? Last week, you were completely down in the dumps. Last month, your life has completely fallen apart. Has it changed? Nope. Sure hadn't. Nothing in my life has changed. My life is like a country western song. Everything's falling apart. My dog's died. My wife's left. My mama's drunk in prison. Isn't that a country song? Yeah. It's got to be three or four of them. Well, what's changed? Let me tell you what's changed. I met a man named Jesus. And though nothing else in my life has changed, everything's changed. We need to be living such a way that people look at us and go, there's a person who's got hope. There's a person who walks in hope. There's a person who lives in hope. There's a person who bubbles up with hope. So be, re- be ready. He says, listen, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But you've got to show them your hope first, which means you have to hope first. And he says, but do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that Those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. And what he's saying here is, listen, be careful how you speak. Be careful how you talk to other people. You you don't walk around with a 70-pound King James Bible, white Bible with a picture of Jesus on the front, so you can knock people down every time they get out of line. That's not what he's saying. He says, listen, when when you're sharing the reason for the hope that you have, do it with gentleness. Do it with respect. Don't be spitting in their faces. Don't be yelling at them. Don't be bashing their head with a, with, a, with a placard, a sign. Do it with gentleness and respect. And oh, by the way, 
Don't forget how you live is important. Because people are watching you. You want to live in such a way that validates, not invalidates what you say. You know people like that? They say one thing, but when you look at their life, it looks completely different. He says, don't do that. This is a messed up world in which we live. And in some ways, we're messed up people too. We're just as broken as the rest of the world. It's just that we found someone who knows how to put the pieces together. And I want to let you know this morning that that brokenness can be an opportunity for you. Because you come out of brokenness, you can speak into the lives of people who are broken. And what I want to do for the rest of this few minutes this morning is to give you a tool to help you speak into the brokenness of people's lives. We're going to do it a number of ways. And one of the ways is when you leave today, don't leave without it. We've got one for everybody. I actually have a little little, uh, uh, piece of paper little folder, a little uh, handout that I'm going to give to you. It's going to look just like this. It's going to have life conversation guide on the front. Don't leave without it. And then get into it and begin to use what's taught here. But I, I want to go through real quickly this morning and, and share with you because everybody from every walk of life knows uh, about brokenness, brokenness in this world. We've lived it. We're still broken. We still get chipped and dinged all the time. And the people we around us get chipped and dinged, and they live chipped and dinged lives. They understand brokenness. And so let me give you this tool. Um, basically, it's called three circles. Sounds simple. Here's a little diagram on the back of your handout. There are no blanks for you to fill out there. I know there was one earlier, but don't worry about that. It's good. But on the back, this is where I want you to focus because I want you to fill these out. I'm going to go through these with you one at a time. And we're going to do it, and I'm going to just kind of share it with you the way maybe you can share it, and I'll teach you a little along the way. When you are encountering someone, I know sometimes we hesitate to ask the question, how are you, because we're afraid someone's actually going to tell us the truth. What do you want to hear when, someone, when you ask someone, how are you? Fine, good, I'm well. That's what you want to hear. What you don't want to hear is, well, I'm glad you asked me that. I want to tell you that sometimes when you hear, I'm glad you asked me that, what's happened is that opportunity, that door of opportunity has just been open to you. And if you're willing to take the time to step through that door of opportunity, here's what you can do. You can begin, let's go ahead, uh, uh, give me the other, uh, the next, next slide up. Here's what you can do. You can say, listen, I understand, um, Stuff's really not going well for you right now. Your life is broken. I understand that because my, life, my life's broken too. We live in a broken world. All this stuff going on with hurricanes and earthquakes and fires and all that stuff, that just shows the brokenness of this world. But do you know God didn't originally create the world that way? Let me tell you about God's design. God, God's design was that everyone and everything would live in harmony. Yes, God created rain, but you see this? This, this, this is a result brokenness these storms are a result of brokenness you open up the newspaper they're filled every day with crimes and they're filled every day with with murder and 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 thievery and all kinds of things you see that in the papers listen that's a mess that's brokenness that's not how god designed it if we could just the reason why we can't answer the question why can't we all just get along 
is because we're broken. And can I tell you something? Most people understand that. Most people understand that. So you begin with God's design. And, and you, you, you go, listen, the reason that the world is broken is because of something the Bible calls sin. And sin is anything that we do that is outside of the design, the plan of God. That is sin, and it inevitably leads to brokenness. And there's your second circle. Okay, so you're talking to somebody. You've got a napkin. You've got a piece of notebook paper. You've got the, the, the inside of your Bible. I don't care whether you draw it, but you can sit down and, and with circles, you can begin to tell people that God's design was not like this, but that sin, rebellion, led to brokenness. And this world is suffering because of brokenness. But listen, we're not content to live in brokenness. We want to fix it. And so we try everything we can find to fix our own brokenness. We turn on the Oprah Winfrey show. We listen to Dr. Phil. We go buy some self-help books. We search. Listen, I can promise you this. When you have a problem, you go to Google before you go to Jesus. And so, hey, listen, I'm looking, hey, let me, I've got, I've got this ache, what I'm doing, I'm going to go to WebMD. And then I'm going to get my will ready. If you've ever been to WebMD and looked up any of your symptoms, basically it all says, you're going to die. It will scare you to death. But we're looking for everything we can to fix it. You know, some people try to fix this problem of brokenness by just medicating it. By just soaking it in alcohol or drowning it in drugs. Or, or sometimes they'll use their sexuality thinking, okay, this will fix it. If I can just have that intimacy, that physical high that comes with being involved sexually. Some people think, you know what, I'll fix my brokenness by trying to climb this ladder of success and try to, try to get above all the I'll fix my brokenness by driving the right car or living in the right house or living in the right place. And people do everything they can to try to fix their brokenness. But guess what? It doesn't work. If they'd have just read the book of Ecclesiastes to start with, they'd have realized it's vanity. It's like chasing after the wind. Why? Because we cannot fix our brokenness. Man, what sad news. I'm sitting here with a napkin telling somebody how hopeless life is. No, because this is where you bring in the third circle, which is the gospel. The gospel. What is the gospel? We talked about it last week. The gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ. The gospel is the good news that God loved this broken world so much that he sent his son into this world who paid the price for our sin, who died on a cross, who was buried, who rose again, and who lives victoriously and is coming back for his children. That's the gospel. That's the good news of Jesus Christ. That is your story. So many of you, that's your story. You have embraced and been embraced by this good news. You know the gospel. Listen, I could sit down and say, listen, share with me who Jesus is and what he did. And you could tell me, which means you know the gospel. And so you can share it with someone else. And listen, the good news is that God came to fix our brokenness. God came to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. And our response to this good news should be to repent 
and to believe. To repent means to turn away from our sin and our sinfulness and our trying to fix ourselves. To turn away from that and to trust in God's provision of Jesus Christ for our salvation. And when we believe that gospel, we are changed. We are made new. We literally recover. Listen, we recover God's design. We are reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. We're brought back into right standing with God through Jesus Christ. And then we begin to pursue the life that God has for us. We don't pursue it in order to get saved. Listen, that already happened. We begin to pursue it because we want our lives to be brought back in line. Because we understand this. Because we've lived it. That when I choose to live outside of God's will, I'm inviting more and more chips and dings in my life. And so we begin to pursue that life. And listen, there's something else that happens. You notice all these things are connected, right? Because once we have begun and rediscovered God's design for our life, guess where we get to go back to? Into the brokenness of other people. We go back into brokenness to take them the good news so they can discover God's design, so they can go back into brokenness and share the good news so that they can find God's design for their lives so that they can... Do you see how this works? Now listen, this is not hard. You can do this on a napkin. You can do it on a sheet of notebook paper. But I want to help you out. How many of you have smartphones? How many of you... Phones are smarter than you are. Okay. If you have a smartphone, Android, uh, Apple, doesn't matter. There's a, you can go and you can look up Life Conversation Guide. It's got the three circles. You can't see it from here, but it comes up and you can literally swipe through. You don't have to write anything down. You don't have to remember anything. It's right here for you. So it's right with God's design. And then you just begin to swipe. And you can begin to tell people. You go, well, that's, that's a little difficult. Um, I, I'm not real good on my phone. I'm afraid I might end up calling somebody. Um, I won't tell you what happened on the golf course the other day with my phone. But uh, anyway, uh, sometimes it hears things that you say differently than you say them. Oh, I'll go ahead and tell you because you're dying to know now, right? <laughs> I shouldn't say this because I'm about to get fired. Go ahead. All right, here we go. God's good. Just remember that. So we're, I didn't hit this hook shot because I don't do that. But the guy I was playing with hit a hook shot. And I don't know, I'm going to have to cover up my watch uh, because it may hear me again. Uh, I don't know who said it, him or me, something about this hooked shot. But I looked down at my watch and it said, call hooker. Thank God there was no number in there for that. All right. Oh, that is all you're going to remember from today. The reason I want to put this in your hands is because this explains it a lot better than I can. And you can use this to explain it to someone else. You've seen tracks. You know what these are. This basically walks you through. It walks you through exactly what we talked about with the three circles. And I want to tell you um, how I've used this personally. 
Um, but not with this. I want to show you how it works. Um, I, uh, I used to work for Piedmont Airlines when I was in seminary. And Piedmont Airlines was bought out. And I had to find another job. And so I went to work with Ritz Camera. Uh, now, Nancy was really good at cameras. She was actually a manager of Ritz Camera Store. She knew all about cameras. She'd, she'd done photojournalism. She knew everything about cameras and f-stops and film speeds and all this other stuff. I didn't know anything about it. Uh, I took one picture on our honeymoon, just one, uh, and because that's why, I, hey, I got to have a picture just to prove that I wasn't on this honeymoon alone. And so I took a picture of Nancy, and I cut her head off. And this wasn't a digital camera, so I didn't know. But uh, it came back, and there she was, I married to a headless woman. But anyway, but I got a job in this camera store, and I became the number one camera salesman in the store. And here's how I did it. When someone would come in, they'd say, hey, listen, I'd like to look at the new Olympus Super Zoom. That was one of the cameras. Well, I didn't know much about it. I knew where it was on the shelf. I said, well, let me grab this camera and put it down here. And then I reached down, and we had a whole drawer full of uh, brochures from each of those cameras. And I'd pull out that brochure. I said, let's go through this camera together. And we basically walked through using that brochure at a camera store. And they walked out of the store with a camera, and I ended up being number one salesman, and I knew nothing. So don't tell me you couldn't use something like this yourself. Just, if you can read, you're good. And so you can open it up, and you can go through it. We're going to give you one of these as you go through that today. I also want to let you know that uh, one size doesn't fit all when it comes to witnessing. For some of you, it's just telling your, your personal testimony. That's a great way to do it. Uh, for others, you need something a little more systematic, kind of hold you uh, con- to, uh, to a program. Um, we have starting, and it's in your handout. There's, a, there's an orange sheet there in your handout. Do you see that? Okay, that's signing up for a three-week. Uh, it's a mini, kind of a mini course, but Tom Robinson is going to be teaching this. Uh, one size doesn't fit all when it comes to sharing your faith. It's going to be on Sunday mornings at 9 o'clock. Your, your small group leader will allow you to go to be a part of this because we want to equip everybody we can. There are so many ways for you to share your faith. The whole thing is we need to roll up our sleeves and just do it. So we're trying to get every excuse off your table as is humanly possible. This may be a good opportunity for you. There may be other things, but we want you to take, we want you to do, we want you to have the same kind of passion that Paul had. And that is when somebody says, hey, what can I pray for you? That your answer would be, well, listen, would you pray? that opportunities for the gospel would come up in my life. That's not normally what we ask. But man, that's what I want our heartbeat to be. Because we live in a world full of brokenness. We have found the answer. And we have the privilege of sharing that answer with other people. We're going to, in just a moment, we're going to have a final song and give you an opportunity to respond to what the Lord's placed in your heart. For some of you, you may be ready to receive Jesus as Savior and Lord. For others, you may need a church home, a place to belong. Some of you may simply need to come down and say, God, I am the cowardly lion in the Wizard of Oz when it comes to sharing my faith. I am scared to death. My knees knock, my teeth chatter. I just don't know how to do it, God. I, I, I want to do it, but I'm just scared to do it. And God, I need you to embolden me. And so I'm not going to go to the Wizard of Oz, God. I'm coming to you who gives boldness, who doesn't give us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, love, and self-control. God, I'm coming to you, and I'm asking for you to give me a holy boldness 
to be able to share these three circles or to be able to share the story of how Jesus touched my life with somebody else. God, I'm, I'm coming to you today and just asking you, would you do that for me? Whatever it is that God is leading you to do in just a moment, we're going to ask you to do it as we sing our final song. But would you pray with me? Lord, there's, there's a lot. We've, we've just dumped a lot of stuff. But Lord, behind it, we just read this, read these words of Paul. We could have said, hey guys, could you, could you pray that this injustice that is done to me would be reversed? Could you pray that there'd be some lawyer who would take my case pro bono to get me off the hook? Could you pray that somehow the doors of this jail would be magically opened and I could just walk out a free man, but he didn't ask for any of that. He simply asked that there'd be open doors, open opportunities to connect with other people who are broken and to share how Jesus can fix what nothing on this world can, can, can do to fix. Lord, we want that kind of heart. Lord, we want to be devoted in prayer. We want to pray for those who are hurting, but we want to be able to speak into that hurt and to speak into that brokenness and to bring words of life. Lord, we say that we believe that Jesus is the one and only answer. Jesus is our salvation. Jesus is our hope that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to you, Father, except through him. Lord, we say that. And yet we go through the day and we encounter people and we just blow by them as if our mission were something other than sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. And God, I pray that you would you'd change my heart, that you'd burden me. Lord, don't let any of us escape today without having been marked by you. Lay hold of us, God, that we might truly understand that the souls of men and women and children hang in the balance. That you, we've been reconciled to you through your son Jesus and that you've given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Lord, that we have this treasure, this gospel in earthen jars, in everyday dishes that we don't have to impress anybody with our words and anybody with our wisdom. But instead, Lord, we just lay it out there and let your spirit, your Holy Spirit do the work in drawing men and women and children to faith in Christ. God, we're so excited about the opportunities that you have for us. Now give us the boldness to roll up our sleeves. out into this war zone, to walk out into this mission field, to walk out into this work zone and begin to declare your glory in a broken world. But this is our prayer in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.